Hello, and thank you for joining us for the Hatchbend Apostolic Church web broadcast. In our society today, some, and yes, sadly, maybe even most, question the value of preaching in their lives. But we still believe what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. In essence, Paul preached that God has chosen the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And so that's why we still place such a high value on the preached word of God in agreement to the scripture. And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from the pulpit of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. New to the table this morning, and I don't say that as as a way of excuse, but I, I don't have anything necessarily profound that's going to uh, blow your mind, so to speak. I think sometimes we can look for sensational things to to be new and when really all we need to do is just go back to the basics of God's word and what he says to do. And basic training, I, I underwent that in the military and, and it's called basic training. It's just basic combat skills. Just You just run, you just do sit-ups and put-ups, push-ups and things of that nature. It seems basic. It's just basic information that you that you gain and then you go on to another place and you learn a technical thing and you learn how to be a soldier in an occupation but when war begins and when the battle ensues your title and your occupation won't save you it's what you learn in basic training it's the basic skills that you got that's going to save you and so I think that's what God wants us to do today is just return back to the basics of his word Psalm 27 and 1, we're just going to begin here and, and uh, we're just going to go on a, on a short journey this morning. The Bible says, the Lord is my light and my salvation, whom shall I fear or dread? The Lord is the refuge and stronghold of my life, of whom shall I be afraid? And I'm, I'm reading from the Amplified Version this morning, so it may be a little bit different than what you're reading. When the wicked, even mine enemies and foes, came upon me to eat up my flesh, they stumbled and fell. Though a host encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war arise against me, even then in this will I be confident. Verse 4, one thing have I asked of the Lord, that will I seek, inquire for, and insistently require that I may dwell in the house of the Lord in his presence all the days of my life and behold and gaze upon the beauty, the sweet attractiveness and the delightful loveliness of the Lord and to meditate, consider and inquire in his temple. For in the day of trouble he will hide me in his shelter in the secret place of his tabernacle will he hide me. In the secret place of his tent will he hide me. He will set me high upon a rock. And now shall my head be lifted up above my enemies round about me. In his tent I will offer sacrifices and shouting of joy. I will sing, yes, I will sing praises to the Lord. And so this morning I'm just going to speak to you from a very simple topic. One thing. Just one thing. Just one thing is all we need to know. Just one thing. Can you say one thing? thing. Let's pray and ask the Lord to have his way. Lord, we love you today. 
God, we thank you once again for allowing us to be in this place. I'm asking you, Lord, to let the anointing of the Holy Ghost rest upon me, God, and upon every person that sits in this congregation, God. Help us to hear, not only to hear, God, but to do your word. And we'll be careful, God, to give you praise for it. In Jesus' name, you may be seated. The writer of the Psalms, King David, is a very recognizable and notable man in the Bible. His life is chronicled in several Old Testament books. And he's listed in the direct lineage of Jesus Christ in the New. And he is the author of most of the book of Psalms. However, I believe, as I believe about anything in the Bible, that David is not merely a subject or just a character in a book. For that matter, no one in the Bible is simply a character or subject or some sort of fairy tale for us just to be entertained by. They were living, they were breathing, they were just like you and they were just like me. I know that because Romans 15 and 4 so says, For whatsoever things were written aforetime were written for our learning, that we through patience and comfort of the scriptures might have hope. And so everything in the Bible has purpose. Everything has meaning and everything has power. And everything in there has the potential to give us all three. Purpose, power, and meaning in our lives. If we read it, if we study it, and then if we apply it to our lives. Because 2 Timothy said, all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable. So it's profitable for us to read. It's profitable for us to study and to stay in the word. And so if you've read your Bible at all, you would quickly know that David was not without fault. He was by far a perfect man. In fact, no one on this earth was perfect save Jesus Christ himself. No one ever walked the face of the earth blameless and without spot but him. Even though there are some things that we can learn from David. We can learn from his life. We can learn from his circumstances and things that happened to him. One thing that is said of David is that he was a man after God's own heart. He sought the presence of God. He understood something. He understood that in the presence of the Almighty God, some things can happen. He understood and he figured out a long time ago that some benefits coming from being in the presence of the Lord. You see, it's in the presence of God that he can, he can bless us. It's in his presence that he can heal us or protect us. It's in his presence. And so if the word is true, and I know that it is, and David is a man after God's own heart, and his desire was to be in the presence of God, then it stands to reason in my own thinking that that would be God's heart, to be in the presence of his children. If we desire to be in his presence, he desires to be in ours. It's a two-way street. You see, God desires, intensely desires to be in relationship with his creation. He desires to give. He desires to commune. He desires to heal. And he desires to restore. He came to this earth with one purpose. That's to seek and to save. Just one thing. Innocence and the restoration of that was his goal. 
Love was his motivator. Your healing, your deliverance, both physical and spiritual, was his only purpose. But to experience that, to experience the deliverance and the restorative power of God, we must be proactive. We can't just sit in one spot and expect God to do his thing. We have to constantly pursue keeping my mind on him and not allowing any outside influences, nothing, to determine the intensity of my pursuit. David said, one thing have I desired. Just one thing. Jesus said it like this, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. You see, I can't allow the pride of life or the deceitfulness of riches, or want of things, or even calamity to get my mind off of what really matters in this world. The fact remains, if I seek God, He will provide the rest. It's just that simple. No matter the high, no matter the low, He must be first, and He must be foremost in my life. It's just that simple. It's not complex. You see, we complex things up. We, we put complexity into things. But God is not simple like the world says simple. But he's not complex in the fact that he will do what he said he will do. It's just that simple. We seek and we find. So no matter what's going on in my life, I can't allow anything to get in the way of me and him. We find this example in Luke 10 and 38 through 42. This is what Jesus says on that matter. The Bible says, Now it came to pass as they went that he entered into a certain village and a certain woman named Martha received him into her house. She had a sister called Mary which also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. But Martha was cumbered about much serving and came to him and said, Lord, dost thou not care that my sister hath left me to serve alone? Bid her therefore that she help me. And this is what he says. He answered her and said, Martha, Martha, thou art careful and troubled about many things. But one thing is needful. And Mary hath chosen that good part which shall not be taken away from her. You see, in this society today, with all the things that are in the world, with everything that is coming against us, we must get the one thing mentality. We must come to a point to where only one thing matters. No matter what's going on around me, no matter the situation, no matter who or what is coming against me, I cannot allow that to get in the way of the one thing that is needful in my life, and that's getting to Jesus. Let me tell you something. You will never lose out on anything for seeking him above everything else. You will never lose out. You will never be left wanting for anything for the sake of seeking to sit at his feet and to inquire of him and his word. You'll never lose out on anything by putting him above everything. But you see, the desire has to be in you. The desire has to be in me. 
David said, one thing have I desired, and that will I seek after, to dwell in the presence of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. This wasn't just a cute song that David was writing here. It, it wasn't just a nice melody written to entertain people by. No, this was written from experience. This was birthed out of real things that happened to a real man in the real earth. You see, David had experiences. He had hardships. He had an enemy. He had a story. He had a past. Wrought with failures, yes. Wrought with calamity, absolutely. But most importantly, it was wrought in victory. And that's what we need to learn from him today. We find such account in 1 Samuel 30, 1 through 8. The Bible says, And it came to pass when David and his men were come to Ziglag on the third day that the Amalekites had invaded the south and Ziglag and smitten Ziglag and burned it with fire. And had taken the women captives that were therein. They slew not any, either great or small, but carried them away. And they went on their way. So David and his men came to the city, and behold, it was burned with fire. And their wives and their sons and their daughters were taken captive. Then David and the people that were with him lifted up their voice and wept until they had no more power to weep. David's two wives were taken, Ahinoam the Jezreelitess and Abigail the wife of Nabal the Carmelite. David was greatly distressed. For the people spake of stoning him because the soul of the people was grieved. Every man for his sons and for his daughters, but David encouraged himself in the Lord his God. David said to Abiathar the priest, Abimelech's son, I pray thee, bring me hither the ephod. And Abiathar brought hither the ephod to David. And David inquired at the Lord, saying, Shall I pursue after this troop? Shall I overtake them? And he answered him, Pursue. For thou shalt surely overtake them and without fail recover all. Here we find David and the mighty men that were joined together with him. They're returning to Ziglag. They're returning from battle and they find that the enemy has burned the city, taken their wives and their children captives. The prognosis was dismal. The outcome seemed bleak. There were men on the verge of stoning him and it would seem that he would never see his wives or his children again. For all he knew, they were gone for good, possibly destroyed. Now there was no doubt that David was a mighty man. He was a mighty man of war. We know this. He, was a, he, he had a strategic mind that was practically made for warfare. His ability to rally men and get them behind him was absolutely unprecedented. He could have, at that moment, he could have attempted to rally these men at that very moment and pursue the enemy. He could have relied on his own ability. He could have trusted in his own judgment as to what he should do. Or he could have done the polar opposite of that. He could have, he ha he could have just given up as if to say there is no use. But he didn't do that. He, he began to recall some things. He began to think back on some things that God had done for him in past experiences. 
He began to recall some victories in his life, perhaps some writings, much like Psalm 27 that we read earlier. He said, when the wicked, even mine enemies and foes, came upon me to eat up my flesh, they stumbled and fell. That's past tense. Though an host should encamp against me, present tense, my heart shall not fear. Though war should arise against me in the future, in this will I be confident. One thing have I desired of the Lord, and that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. The Bible says in 1 Samuel 30 and 6, that he was greatly distressed. We've all been there. We've all been greatly distressed at times in our lives. But David encouraged himself in the Lord his God. Though greatly distressed, he realized what he had to do. He said, I can't trust in my own ability. I don't have it all together. And I don't exactly know what the future may hold. It seems as if there might not even be a future at this point in time. I don't have the answers, but I know who does. I don't have it all together, but I know who does. I don't have all the answers, but I know who does. Bring me the ephod. Now, the ephod was a priestly garment made for priests in that day. They they wore them to inquire of God. They were made for service in the holiest of holies. Now, some commentaries say that David put it on himself. Some, Some say he didn't. Some say that he gave it to Abiathar and he put it on and he inquired of God. I'm not here to debate that. It doesn't really matter because that's immaterial at this point. It's what he did. That's what he did. It's what it signifies. Let's look at what he didn't do. Let's look at what David didn't do. He didn't ask his friends. He didn't seek some self-help book or some guru or some prosperity preacher. The Bible says that it does not say that he encouraged himself. Uh Uh-uh. It says he encouraged himself in the Lord his God. He didn't just sit back to see what would happen. He didn't seek someone else's opinion. He didn't just allow discouragement to take him completely out. Outside of the distractions and the intensity of the situation to deter him from seeking the counsel of God. He told Abiathar, bring me the ephod. He put himself in a position to inquire of God. He put himself in a position to seek and to hear God's word. He went to the Lord in prayer. He went straight to the source and sought the face of God as to what he should do. David said, I've got to get along with God. And I've got to seek his face first. And then God told him to pursue. At that point, he said, you will recover all. And so if I can say it like this, we have got to get back to a place of seeking God first. No matter the situation and no matter the circumstance, In a world that is seeking things on a day-to-day basis, all kinds of things, we must become a generation of seekers, but seekers of the face of God. We must become seekers of his presence. 
We must become seekers of his provision and his provision alone. And more importantly, we must become seekers of his will because that's the only thing that matters. It's the only thing that matters when it comes to our lives and to the lives of our families. It's what does God think about this? It's what do you say about this, Lord? Not what the world may say or not what someone else may think, but it's what do you say, God? What do you say I should do? It matters great. It matters small. I cannot get beyond what God wants for my life. I can't just go and do something. Do it on my own accord and do it of my own doing and then expect God to come behind me and do the blessing after what I've already done. No matter how noble, how noble the cause. David inquired of the Lord. Now I believe that this has more connotation to it than just simply asking rhetorical questions. No. There's not general broad questions. David asked specific questions. Shall I pursue? Will I overtake? That's not broad. That's not general. That's not asking, do you think I should be a good person? you think I should be good today? No, it's what do you want me to do today, God? I'll say it again. The life of my family, the life of my family is too precious to rely on my own way of thinking and in my own ability. I must, I must go to the Word. Before any decision is made, before I do anything, I must know what God says about this and what God thinks about this, no matter what it is. There's only one thing that matters in this world right now. That's getting to Jesus. That's getting to him up close and personal and inquiring of him. Is seeking real counsel of God. And then here's a marvel idea. Obeying the charge. You know, there's a lot of things that we could pursue after. There's a lot of things that we could go after in this world. There's a lot of noble things that we can do in this world. But if he is not in it, and he is not before it, then it has no, it has, it has no bearing. There's no use to pursue it. That's why he said this, when you pray, pray after this manner. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done. Not my kingdom come. Not my will be done. But thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. It seems basic to some. It seems elementary to others. This is the only way that it can work. It's the only way. Now I have struggled with inserting this, but I feel like I need to say it. A few years ago, I was working in a job that I had, and I'll just be frank with you, I was miserable. And there's nothing like getting up every day and going somewhere you don't want to go. 
but we have families, we have responsibilities, and so we do it. And I was offered something. I was offered something real good. Oh, man, it sounded so good. You can make this much money. You can have all this time off. I won't go into detail. But it, was, it seemed so good. It seemed so right. And well-meaning people said, well, God will bless it. Just whatever you do, God will bless it. But I got to thinking about that. I don't want to just do something and then expect God to come behind me and bless what I've already done. I want to do His will. And I was miserable. And this seemed so good and so right and so pure. But I went to God and I prayed. I said, Lord, I want to do what you want me to do. I want to do what you want me to do because my family's life, this was before Kaylin was born. She was on the way. I said, my family's life is way more important than whether or not I'm miserable in what I'm doing. As long as I can provide for them, that's what I want to do. And I just never, I can't explain it to you, but I just never felt that he was saying, okay, go ahead. Go ahead and do that. I'm in that. I can't explain to you what the feeling was like, but it was something that I just couldn't, I couldn't, I, there was nothing, I couldn't break through it. I never felt like he was releasing me to go ahead and do that. And so I didn't. I stepped back away from it. And I said, There's, I'm just going to stay where I'm supposed to be right now. I'm not going to try to open doors that you haven't opened. I'm just going to stay right here where I am. And I tell you, if God is my witness, it wasn't even a week later and doors just begin to open. <laughs> and I felt, I felt that release. I felt that he said, this is where I want you to go. I don't want you to go here. I want you to go here. And I just walked through the door, and I'm telling you, God was in that. God was in that. And everything has been, I'm not a millionaire. I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that I'm, I'm prosperous by monetary. It's not about that. But God opened the door, and God has blessed it. And, and I have moved into that realm that God wanted me to go in. Let's clap our hands to the Lord. I love you, Jesus. Nothing will work out completely correctly until I do that. It must be his will and not my own. Not that God is some dictator where he has to have control. No, no, no. See, he's already got control. <laughs> he's already in control. We don't give him, he just already has it. But until we align ourselves with his will, that's when everything begins to fall in place because he has our best interest at heart. He can see way farther down the road than we can. He wants us to be successful. He wants us to be prosperous. Not the world's definition of success and prosperity, but prosperous and successful in him blessed by him, comforted by him and his Holy Spirit and his presence. 
That's his purpose fulfilled in our lives. That's the blessing. The fact is this. He will give us the desires of our heart as long as our desires are his heart. Unsuccessful are they who attempt to do their own will and not the will of our Father. Unsuccessful are they who attempt to circumvent the law of God and do their own thing. Unsuccessful are they who seek counsel of earthly things and trust in fleshly desires. (laughs) But Psalm 1 and 1 says, Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and his law doth he meditate day and night. And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. That's that's being blessed by God. That's being blessed by God. Hallelujah. And I conclude if our musicians will come. God desires to make you whole and desires to make you complete. If he didn't, he wouldn't have stepped out of eternity into a body of flesh destined to die on a cross. He wouldn't have done it. I've already said it, but I'll say it again. He had one thing in mind when he did that, our best interest. His purpose And priority was to provide a way of escape for us. And his power is still the same. And his principles are still standing. He said, seek and you'll find. Knock and it shall be opened. I tell you the truth today. You will benefit from seeking God first. You will benefit from putting him above all of your problems And above all your circumstances. When you do that, he will give you the power to overcome. He will give you restoration. And it will occur. But we have to want him above anything else. Above any circumstance, any obstacle, any loss or any gain. You see, when we realize that he's the only one that can help us. When we get off of the fence and stop vacillating between what the world says and what the Word says. What the world says and what the Word says. And we begin to seek Him and everything about Him. That's where He can shower down His presence. And with His presence comes the blessing and the healing and the provision and the protection that we so desire. But first... We have to get off the fence. We have to sell out to him completely. I'll read it again, but we've got to be like David. One thing have I asked of the Lord, and that will I seek. Intensely require that I may dwell in the house of the Lord in his presence all the days of my life. To behold and gaze upon the beauty, the sweet attractiveness, and the delightful loveliness of the Lord. And then meditate, consider, and inquire in his temple. You see, David did more than just show up. David inquired. 
See, he had some questions when he arrived. They weren't general, but they were very important. They were very pertinent questions. And if we're going to be the people of God, we've got to be the same way. I don't want to just show up and just go through the motions because there's too much at stake in this hour. I've got to have one thing on my mind when I get there. What would you have me to do, Lord? Show me what your word says, God. Tell me what you think, Lord, about holiness. Tell me what you say, God, about separation. Tell me, Lord, what you say about salvation. Tell me, God, what is your expectation of me? That's what I want to have when I get in his presence. It's more than just showing up. It's more than just getting a good feeling, clapping our hands and going through the same motions and leaving the same way that we came. It's about getting in the presence of the Lord and allowing him to mold us and change us and direct us, changing our minds and our way of thinking to match his mindset. It's when we do that is when God can really do a a work in our lives. It's when we do that, that's when God can really move in our midst. Can we stand together today? Can we just right now in the next few moments before the first notice played, can we just lift our hands? If you have a need today, if you have something, God, that you need, would you just go ahead and lift your voice right now? Don't worry about who's around you, in front of you, or behind you. But would you just cry out to God right now and give him everything of you? Would you do that? Lift your voice in the, in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, Lord, we love you today. This message has been brought to you today by the media ministry of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. We pray that it's ministered to you in some way, and we'd like to take this opportunity to invite you to join us in service here at Hatchbend Apostolic. Our Sunday services begin at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night service at 7.30 p.m. For any more information or to speak with our ministry staff, please feel free to call our church office at 386-935-2806. Or you can visit the contact link here on our website. Again, thank you for listening and we pray God's richest blessings on you and your family.